Welcome to Daily Meds with Pastor Richard L. Forney Sr., pastor, teacher at New Joy Fellowship Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grab your paper and pen and tune in to see what the Lord has to say today. From the Word of God, uh, as we forge ahead and we do give thanks for all that he has done. And boy, I have to tell you, we look ahead because we know that what God begins, the work that he has, the end of it is promising and it looks good. And so we thank him for all that he will do. Amen. I just want to spend a few minutes talking about uh, kind of the root, the foundation, the church. There are going to be a couple of places in scripture where we go uh, to reiterate the importance of this thing that we've been called to be a part of. There's a quote that I like to use. Some of you have heard it before, but I think it's a a very fitting quote that comes from uh, William Booth, who was the founder and the first general general of the Salvation Army. Uh, When he was being interviewed, he was asked the question about uh, the chief dangers which confront the church in the coming century. And in his response, he said, here are the chief dangers that will confront the church in the coming century. He said, religion without the Holy Ghost. That's going to be a danger. Christianity without Christ. That's that's one of the things that we are at risk of. Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Folk being saved, but they really ain't born again. Now this one's going to get you. Politics without God. And we're, we're seeing these things being played out on And then he said, in heaven without hell. Preach heaven, but we won't deal with the reality of hell. It is the Apostle Paul, if if you would turn to the first place, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul reiterates some of the same statements and and, uh, William Booth may have actually been in reading this when he he made his comments. But the Apostle Paul in his second letter to Timothy as recorded in chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 he says but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, 
without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then he says, have nothing to do with them. Uh, when you look around, when you, when you also surmise that uh, it's safe to say that we're living in the last days, when you look at this description of what Paul says against where and how you see people engaging today, wouldn't you say that we are living in the last days? Brothers and sisters, it is important that you and I remember that we don't lose focus of who we are, nor what we have been called to do and to be. God has called us for the purpose of representing him in a world that is both dark and lost. One of the central key thoughts that, have been, that has been floating in my mind, that has been upon my heart and my mind, as I've been thinking about this 23rd anniversary, thinking about you and me and our journey with God, thinking about what God is doing. And God just gave a truth. He said, Jesus Christ is God's gift to the church. Yes, I know John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But in order for a person to really enjoy that benefit, they've got to believe. When you become a believer, then you become a part of the church. Jesus is really God's gift to the church. It is in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the good news, it is the power of God to save. And he talks about how it, it, is, it is that good news to the one who believes, but also for the one who disbelieves, that's, that's, the, that's bad news. And so Jesus then becomes God's gift to the church, and a person enjoys that gift by believing in him. <clears throat> and then the church, the spirit-filled church, becomes God's gift to the world. Because he has left you and me here to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? I came to save that which is lost. He said it is not the healed, those who are well, who need a doctor. He said it is those who are sick that need a doctor. And so he has left us to be a part of this wonderful work that he has begun. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28. Many of you know this and you really don't have to turn there, but let's turn there to be safe. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. For in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, 
our commander in chief, the one who is in charge, Jesus Christ himself, gives an idea. He leaves not just an idea, but he makes it known uh, what the purpose and intent was for him gathering people to follow him. This was after he had been crucified on a cross, placed in a tomb, raised from the dead, and just before he returned to heaven, he presented himself to his followers. Look at verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you and I are to continue to enjoy the favor of God, we must be careful that we do not drift away from the primary mission and lose sight of the objective that was provided by our commander in chief. You and I are to enjoy his favor. We must be careful that we never drift away from his primary objective, doing what he has called us to do. The writer of Hebrews warns, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. It is Jesus who determines what the church is supposed to look like. And when we are following his lead, then we are able to avoid those dangers that William Booth talks about. We're able to stand in the face of those warnings that the Apostle Paul issued to Timothy. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that you and I cannot do it in our own strength. You and I cannot do it in our own power. We must have the continual filling of God's Spirit in our lives and at work upon us. We must continue to walk in obedience to what he has declared, and operate in his strength and power. If ever we should draw back and try and use our own resources, what we will discover is that we will be destroyed. And the promise that Jesus issued in Matthew chapter 16 won't be fulfilled in your experience. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, where Jesus is at Caesarea Philippi, and he begins to ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? And so they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some say that you are Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said to them, but wait a minute, who do you say I am? And it was Simon Peter, again, who spoke up on behalf of the disciples. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me pause because the church is made up of people who declare that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Church is made up of people who believe that they need his spirit to be at work in them and allowing his spirit to work through them to be able to stand up against the forces of evil that manifest itself in the culture and in our experiences. That's the church, folks who have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light through a relationship through Jesus Christ. Jesus answered and said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This is why I'm emphasizing what the Spirit says, because, see, the, the flesh and blood won't let you know about the things of God. You have to be in tune with the Spirit of God to hear the things of God so that you can put those things of God to work in your life. In your experience, it is only when you and I operate by the spirit of God that we see results that break down the stronghold of the enemy. You and I can't do it in our own strength. We need the power of God moving on our behalf, moving in circumstances where it is clear to you and me that natural strength cannot fix it. Natural wisdom cannot fix it. You need the power of God to move in circumstances. And only when you are yielded to the spirit of God do you allow that to be manifest. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he says, I say to you, that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church in the gates of of hell shall not prevail against it, shall not come against it. I believe that statement that Jesus is make, makes is both an institutional statement, it is also an individual statement. Why? Because the church is both an institutional issue and it is made up of individuals. We always make it clear that the church is not the building, right? In this last year, if it has not taught us anything else, it's demonstrated to you and me that it ain't the building. Because over this last year, due to the uh, pandemic and our obedience to what the law said, but also wisdom that says that, wait a minute, if this thing is spreading in this way, it makes sense for you and me to take cover. But just because we did that, didn't mean that we stopped being the church. Because the church is not the building, it is a group of people that are called out of darkness that are united together by their faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, crucified for the sins of all mankind, but raised to life that we might live forevermore. And so this idea about the gates of hell not prevailing against the church has to do both with the institution of the church, which says that it doesn't matter what Satan does, it doesn't matter what hell throws at the institution of the church, that the church will always stand. That it doesn't matter if those who call themselves the church refuse to speak up and be the church. He said, I can talk to a rock and have a rock get up and be my witness. 
Balaam, if you remember Balaam, Balaam was a person who was able to have spiritual insights, had instruction from God to go, but not to curse his people. Balaam on the way got so caught up with wanting the money that was being offered to him that he was contemplating in his heart and in his mind how he could curse God's people. Now, God did something that you and I don't want God to do to us. Balaam being rebellious, Balaam being stubborn, Balaam having his mind fixed upon the things of this world, Balaam being caught up in greed, Balaam being caught up in what's in it for me, was no longer able to hear God speak. And so God had to make a donkey talk on his behalf. Showed him mercy and grace because there was an angel that was standing in front of him getting ready to take him out because he wasn't heeding the warnings. So there was an angel that was standing in front of him saying, if you come just a little bit closer, I got something for you. The donkey with eyes that are able to see in the spiritual world what Balaam could not see decided that he wasn't going to go any further. Just because my rod or just because my master is a fool don't mean I got to be one too. And so the donkey decides to get down on all fours and say, I'm not moving. And Balaam begins to beat the donkey. And God opens up the mouth of the donkey to say to Balaam, why are you beating on me? Well, you know the story. But it was Balaam in his stubbornness, Balaam in his rebellion, Balaam in his refusal to adhere to the spirit of God that allowed his eyes to be closed to the movement of God that required God to use an animal that does not normally talk to speak to him. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been called to be the voice of God in the world. We've been called to be the voice and messengers of Jesus Christ in the world. And listen, if you and I refuse to talk, I'm trying to tell you, God has someone who will speak on your behalf. And what I want to encourage you and me to do is to open up our mouths and to carry out the mission that has been given to us. And that is to be witnesses, to proclaim the truth of who God is, to talk about what God has done in our lives individually, and to talk about what God is doing and what he desires to do. God dwells with his people, and he gives us understanding and insight about things that are taking place. It is a wisdom that does not come from this world, it is a wisdom that comes from his spirit, but it is only when you and I are walking in obedience to his spirit, only when you and I are walking in allegiance with his spirit, only when you and I have attitudes that are yielded to his spirit that he chooses to reveal. And when he reveals, it becomes our job to proclaim truth. And when we do so, that truth about hell not prevailing 
rings true in our lives. Let me help you understand a little bit more what that means. That means that no matter what the devil will throw at you in your experiences, because you are a part of the church, the gates of hell and the devil's attempt to derail you will not overcome you. That means that, that the struggle may be real. It may be hard. But here's the good news. You will not be overcome. Why? Because you are victorious and the one who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in the world. He may be able to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at you. You may be down, but here's the good news. You're not out. Yeah, yeah you're not out. And, and so when he's doing all of that, you need to remember that because I am part of the church, because I belong to Jesus Christ, he will come and he will rescue me. And when he comes to rescue me, he will deliver me. And when he delivers me, he's going to give me victory. That's why the stuff that you've come out of, you don't need to be ashamed of talking about it. See, because what you're demonstrating is that the same God that you worship, the same God that you serve is going to be able to do that same work in somebody else's life. And they need a testimony to know that you too have been delivered from something. Amen. They need to know that you wrestle with something, but because you are not depending upon flesh and blood, but because the spirit of God lives in you and he has given supernatural resources to help you be an overcomer, that he is working out your circumstances. And because God is no respecter of persons, what he has done for any one of us, he is willing to do for all of us. So he says, the gates of hell will not overcome us. It will not overcome the institutional church, and it will not come those who belong to the church. And so here's our primary objective. And I'll stop. The primary, object, primary objective of the church is this. To help people obtain kingdom citizenship and become disciplined followers of Jesus who are continually growing into his likeness and daily bringing every area of life under his lordship. Was that a mouthful? <laughs> the primary objective of the church is to help people obtain kingdom citizenship. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. So we're here, but we report to a different, as I said earlier, commander in chief. We get our orders and our instructions from somebody else. His name is Jesus. And our job is to then help people obtain kingdom citizenship and become disciplined followers of Jesus. That's that word disciples. They become committed followers of Jesus. That means that they forsake an old way. They forsake the patterns of this world, those things of this world that does not line up with their kingdom citizenship. They've got to lay those things aside so that now they become disciplined followers of Jesus who are continually growing into his likeness. 
Uh, I love, if you don't mind me using it, Sister Charzetta, give me a nod so that I can move on with your permission. Praise God. She nodded because she knew I was going to go on anyway. I love her testimony about, she said, when I came here, I thought everything was all right. But through, as I began to read and study his word more and more with a different lens, I began to discover that I was a mess. I'm using that testimony because it does not only speak to her, but it speaks to you and me. That what you and I discover is the more and more we engage God's word, the more and more we realize we ain't nothing but a mess. That our, our goodness, our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. There is no good in us. And, and then we start to discover, even in those areas where we thought we had it all together, man, we were just looking through a glass dimly. And so it helps us to understand that there is always growth that you and I are to be undergoing. And so it says that we become disciplined followers of Jesus who are continually growing into his likeness, looking more and more like him, and daily bringing every area of life under his lordship. That means every area. Nothing is hidden from him. Every area of your life you bring under his lordship. What does that mean? That means sometimes I've got to ask the question, what would Jesus do? When, when, I'm, when I'm stuck at a crossroads and I'm not sure which way to go, I've got to ask the question, what would Jesus do? And if I don't have it immediately, I've got to go then and search his word. And if I'm searching his word and I can't find it, I've got to find and call my accountability partner or hook up with someone who can help me discover and work through what it is that he would have me to do in this particular area of my life because I'm determined to bring all of life under his lordship. This is important because as you are helping people obtain kingdom citizenship, you don't want them to see you as a hypocrite. You got them in the kingdom, but you're doing whatever you want to do. You claim to be a citizen, but you just ignoring all the rules of the kingdom. And then you trying to tell me that I need to bring all of my life under his lordship? That's confusing. That's hypocritical. And it causes new citizens to stumble. So it's important that you and I bring our lives under his lordship so that as we walk and as we talk and as we encourage others, we are speaking from a sincere heart. Not just words, but we are actually living out our very faith. Amen? So that's the primary objective of the church. Another way of saying that, which is always said, is our job is to go and win disciples. Our job is to let our light shine before men so that they might see God's good work, our good work, and glorify God. Our job is to be a witness and an example. Our job is to point to him. That's our job. That's the job of, to, of the church, to tell those who are lost about a savior who can redeem. The church must exalt Jesus and make him the center of attraction. Now, remember, I'm talking about the church as an institution and also the individuals who make it up. 
So when I use that expression, the church must exalt Jesus and make him the center of attraction, I'm talking about you. The center of attraction is no longer the home in which you live in. Praise God that it's beautiful that you're comfortable. The center of attraction is no longer the vehicle in which you drive. I'm glad it's a luxury ride and I look forward to you taking me with you sometime. It is no longer the clothes that you wear. And yes, you do look good. But the only reason you look good is so that you can make him look good. We must exalt Jesus and make him the center of attraction. The church must be anointed by the Holy Spirit and continually filled by him. You can't make him the center of attraction if you're not filled by the Spirit of God. Why? Because the Spirit of God comes with the express purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ. He always takes and he always works to promote that which promotes Jesus Christ. And if you're not filled by the Spirit of God, then your objective is no longer to glorify God and exalt Jesus Christ. You now have something else that's warring against you. So you and I must continually be filled with the Spirit of God. We must continually be saying to God, fill me. When he gives you a new day, you begin that new day with the realization that you need the Spirit of God to fill you. And if you begin the day with the realization that you need the Spirit of God to fill you, what that means is that you must be still long enough for him to fill you. Don't make God hit a a moving target. Imagine if you have an empty water jar that you are trying to fill. And the faucet in which you are trying to fill it with, you just keep moving the water jar over the faucet. Instead of holding it, you're just moving it back and forth all around. Oh, you're going to get a little water in the jar, that's for sure. It's going to hit every now and then. But if only you would just sit that jar still, we become filled with what's coming out of the source so that it can be used for whatever purposes you've intended. Brothers and sisters, that's got to be you and me. We've got to understand that the source of our power comes from God. And what he does, the only way we're going to be a gift to anyone is if we are filled. The only way that we're going to have power over the enemy is if we are filled. And the only way that you and I can get filled, let's just be honest, you got to be still. I love the conveniences that we have right now. I can listen to the word of God while I drive. I can listen to the word of God and anything else while I walk, run, exercise, or do whatever. But there is always something else that's getting my attention when I'm engaged in those activities. If I'm driving, I've got to keep my mind fixed on the activity around me because as you know these days, folks don't really drive all that well. So I've got to drive for me and drive for those who are not driving all that well. And so while I'm listening, I, he doesn't have my undivided attention. In order for him to have my undivided attention, I need to carve out time where I can sit before him and have my ears tuned to him so that I can listen to what he has to say and also be able to freely express what's on my heart and mind. 
And in the process of doing that, it's like an empty jar sitting before the source. I'm being filled because I'm acknowledging that I need his spirit. I'm asking him for his spirit and I'm allowing him to give me what I need to energize any area, any facet of my life so that he can be glorified. Let me give you hmm, one more. And then I'll pick up on the others later. Unless I wear out my welcome. The church must stand against the pressure of the culture and refuse to adopt her values as the standard to which we aspire. The church must stand against the pressure of the culture and refuse to adopt her values as the standard to which we aspire. So we are citizens of the kingdom. We have kingdom laws, kingdom rules, kingdom regulations. There's a way that things are done in the kingdom that are different than the world system. You and I have been charged that we are not to be lovers of this world. We are not to get into the habit of engaging in pursuing this world system, but that we actually get our value system from the kingdom of God. And you and I must always be alert and know the values of our kingdom so that when the values of this world are antithetical, are opposed to the values of the kingdom, we know how to reject them. Another way of saying that is we need to know the truths of the kingdom of God so that when the morality of our time, and you know morality changes by the culture that is unstable, so that when it is changing, you and I do not drift one way or the other, but we stay to what God has declared. You and I must be intentional in pursuing his truth and then have both the boldness and the courage to stand in it. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but when we look around, we see that there are a lot of things that are being challenged in our culture right now. There are a lot of changes that are taking place. You've got to have a keen sense of what thus said the Lord. And you must have a boldness about you to stay with what thus said the Lord and resist that temptation to say that the word of God is antiquated, to say that the word of God is out of date, to say that the word of God is no longer relevant, to say that the principles of God do not apply today, all because it's not agreeing with the passions that some people have. The church must be willing to stand in the face of the culture, when the culture is standing against the principles and rule of God. Why? Because we've been called to be representatives of the kingdom. We've been called to be representatives of the kingdom. And with the spirit of God filling us, 
we can stand firmly in the face of the culture and be a voice that rings truth. That's why the Spirit-filled church is a gift to the world. Because the Spirit-filled church helps the world see truth. The Spirit-filled church helps the world stand in integrity. The Spirit-filled church challenges the world system when it goes astray from the principles that God has put in place. And you need the Spirit of God to give you the courage when everything around you is pressing up against you. Brothers and sisters, you and I have been given the great privilege of being part of an institution that will last until Jesus comes. And that's called the church. When Jesus died, he died for us. When he was raised, he was raised for us. When he was taken into heaven, he was taken to heaven for us. For he says that now he sits at the right hand of God for you and for me interceding on our behalf. It is an enduring institution that will last until Christ comes back again. He is coming back again. We can trust that because he said it. And everything he says, he watches over his word to fulfill it. You and I are a part of an institution that will not fail. We are a part of an institution that will not only exist here, but then it has existence in the eternal, the everlasting world that you and I have been invited to partake in. And in order for us to receive his promises and to receive his best, we must stand in faith in an uncompromising manner to him alone, exalting the name of Jesus alone, lifting up the values of Jesus alone and inviting others into his world so that they too can receive life everlasting. And if you and I will stay the course, then we can experience the promise of his word. The gates of hell won't overcome the institution and the gates of hell won't overcome you. Amen. 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 Father, we are gathered here in this place acknowledging and thanking you for your provision, for your faithfulness. Thanking you, God, that, Lord, in spite of our failures, you continue to be faithful. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for grace. For grace that provides a safety net beneath us. That when we stumble, we fall, but you put enough bounce in that net that we can get back up again. We thank you, God, for your grace that is both sufficient to keep us, but there's also, God, a strength to enable us. And Father, we thank you for your spirit who lives in us. You've declared that everyone who puts their hope, their trust, and their confidence in Jesus Christ is first sealed by your spirit to identify that they belong to you. And then you say that we are filled by your spirit so that we have the power 
to live in this world in which we do not belong. Thank you for your spirit. We're praying, Lord, for a special anointing, a special filling of your spirit so that, God, we can adequately carry out the work that you've assigned to each one of our hands. However you've gifted us, however you've called us, whatever you purpose for us to do, give us an adequate supply of your spirit so that we can administer your grace faithfully. We thank you, God. Thank you for your promise, for the promise filling of your spirit. And God, if there's anything that is getting in the way of us receiving a fresh filling, a fresh anointing from your spirit, we pray right now that you would help us to lay it aside. If it is my beliefs that's getting in the way, renew my mind with your truth. There's an area of disobedience, God, in my life that is preventing your spirit from having its way. Give me the strength to walk in obedience to you. To confess and agree with you about that area of disobedience. and Walk in obedience to you. If there is a specific sin, God, that has grabbed me by the ankles, that is putting a lid over me, that is preventing, God, your spirit to fill me. Right now, God, allow me to hear your voice as you reveal to me that area. Then give me the strength, the courage to lay it before you so that you can wash, so that you can remove so that you can prepare a place for your spirit to reside and feel. We want you. We want you fresh and new, God. No leftovers, no residual, no content with yesterday's feeling. We, we want a fresh feeling today. Feeling that brings about both conviction and liberty. Feeling that breaks chains and breaks the yoke. sets the captives free. Feeling that brings about healing. Restoration. Fill us, God. Fill us. Each one of us, according, God, to what, what we need, fill us. healing power of your spirit begin to work, Lord, both in our physical bodies and 
Lord, in our spirituals. We invite you to have your way. That as we move forward, God, in this, this next year, that it will be filled with a day-by-day day cry to you for your guidance, your feeling, for your help, for your direction, for your purposes to be fulfilled in our lives. We come yielded in the matchless name of Jesus, our Redeemer and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the pastor of New Joy Fellowship Ministry located here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. To learn more about the ministry, go to njfm.org. That's N as in new, J as in joy, F as in fellowship, M as in ministry.org. We would love to hear from you. If you have a special prayer request, reach out to us at prayernjf at tulsacoxmail.com. Also, Pastor Richard would love to hear from you. If you desire to connect with him, you can reach out to him at pastorrichard at tulsacoxmail.com. If you have questions on how you can connect with this awesome, wonderful Jesus that we're talking about, just send us a message. Connect with us also on Facebook at NJFM Tulsa, and that's New Joy Fellowship Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and represent Christ, represent Christ by walking in love.